very good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of the Driglington and Gilderson podcast. And I say afternoon, I'm sitting here in my study at home uh, on Sunday afternoon because uh, I was originally going to record the sermon this morning at St Paul's and like an idiot I forgot to take over the podcast recorder so having uh, preached three times this morning the same sermon I'm now having to uh, record it a fourth time uh, so we can actually get it for our, uh, for our podcast never mind um, before I get started with this morning's sermon teaching just a couple of things I want to mention first of all after I've uh, gone over the sermon there's going to be uh, I'm going to just say a little bit about coronavirus and the steps that we are taking uh, in our own church to stop the spread or to to hopefully try and stop the spread of the coronavirus so I'll be saying a little bit about that so stay tuned don't switch off uh, after the sermon there'll be a little bit about that and and the other thing I, I want to say is just to give a word of thanks really I've had a lot of really positive feedback about this morning's service particularly the service at St Peter's and people saying they enjoyed the sermon and they enjoyed the prayers particularly uh, and and even the way the seats were laid out um, and it's it's just really nice to get some positive feedback it, it doesn't always happen actually and uh, it was really nice this morning to get some positive feedback and I've had a number of messages um, by text and, and phone and, and social media to and I'm just really grateful for that and um, we've got a lot of really exciting things happening over the next few weeks as we move up towards Easter and hopefully uh, we can all move forward together and we can have some great times with God over the next few weeks so thank you all. Now last week I did what actually turned out to be the first of a two-part sermon when I I was mentioning last week that when I sat down to write a sermon on prayer I had so much to say that it ended up really being two sermons so last week was part one we looked at some of the struggles that we often have when it comes to prayer and this week we're going to have some practical tips about how we can get started or restarted or give our prayer life a boost and you might remember last week we covered some of the reasons why prayer is hard. Uh, you can go back on our website and listen to that sermon. It's, it's um, the previous sermon in the list of podcasts. Uh, and there's also a written version on our website as well as there is of this sermon. And just to summarise, the reasons that we covered were, first of all, that, that often the reason that we don't pray is we don't know how to. No one's ever showed us. Uh, no one's ever taught us and we don't just kind of magically know how to pray it's something we do have to learn and we get better by practicing but if no one's ever showed us how then how would we know how to pray the second reason we looked at was that we're too busy or we think we're too busy and we're actually going to return to that theme uh, today as well the third, the third reason was that we're not sure whether God actually hears us. We, we pray, don't we, into a, into a void almost at times and we wonder if God is really listening. And the fourth reason is that we try to be self-sufficient. We think we can manage. We don't need God. We don't pray quite often because we think we can handle things on our own. And it's only when we can't handle things that we turn to God and how really that shouldn't be the case, that we should always come to God first. So those were some struggles that we have with prayer. How then do we get started or restarted with prayer or give our prayer life a bit of a refresh 
are a fresh start. Here are five quick tips. These are not um, anything particularly startling and um, you'll have heard some of these things before but it's good to be reminded of things isn't it and uh, just to come back to some of these basic truths. If you already know all this then praise God but there are lots of us that struggle with lots of these things so bear with me. The first thing that I think we need to say is we need to just get started just make a start you've probably seen the quote the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step it's all over the place it's on coffee shop walls it's on posters it's on postcards and people print it on all kinds of things I did a quick google search the other day and uh, there were 221,000 images on Google Images with that exact phrase. Um, it was actually first uttered by a Chinese philosopher, Lao Tzu, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, Lao Tzu, I want to say. I'm sorry if I've butchered his name. I'm sure he's not listening to this podcast. He lived thousands of years ago. But the reason why that, um, that saying has persisted is because it's true. It's true, isn't it? It's an obvious thing, but it's a profound thing. And um, if you know you can make preparations for a journey you can get ready for a journey but there comes a point when you actually have to start you have to start out on the journey whether it's taking putting one foot in front of the other or whether it's getting in the car and putting the key in the ignition or getting on our bike and pedaling we actually have to make a start even if it's a small start at least we make a start and it's just the same with prayer we need to make a start. We can read about prayer, we can think about prayer, we can listen to sermons about prayer, but in the end, you've just got to have a go. And we need to be realistic, we need to be sensible about this. There's no point in hearing a sermon about prayer and making some outrageous claim, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting up at four o'clock in the morning, I'm going to pray for three hours before anybody gets up. If we say something like that, we're just setting ourselves up to fail. We need to be realistic. If we've not been used to having a um, um, a sensible schedule for prayer, then why not start with five minutes? Why not say, this week, I am really going to carve out five minutes to pray? Because we've all got five minutes, haven't we? If truth be told, we have all got five minutes. We're, we're, none of us are so busy that we can't find five minutes during our day. And if, and if, we, if we can't really set aside five minutes, we're not being serious about prayer so make a start make a start this week let's make this week the week that we're going to start let's set aside five minutes every day this week and once we get used to praying for five minutes it'll be so much easier to pray for 10 minutes and and our prayer life can build from there so make a start the second tip that i want to give is make it a priority and that really kind of flows from the first thing we need to make it a priority for most of us, finding time to pray will mean that we have to sacrifice something else that we actually quite like doing. Most of the things we do, we do because we enjoy them. TV, friends, um, kids, slobbing out in front of social media, sleeping. We, those are things that we enjoy and we're going to have to give up something of that or somewhere there's going to have to be a bit of uh, prioritisation. And that means something that we like doing, we're not going to be able to do as much. 
prayer has got to be moved up the list of priorities high enough to bump off something else that previously we did in that time. Now when a a family member or a good friend calls us, we make time, don't we? We make time, we rearrange our schedules, we rearrange our diaries and we find the time for our family and our friends. Let me tell you something, you may not know this yet, but God is the best friend you will ever have. God is the most caring, the most loyal, the most faithful friend that you will ever, ever have. And we need to make time for him, to get to know him, to build a relationship with him, and it needs to be a priority. The third tip that I want to share with you is make use of existing prayers. Why reinvent the wheel? There are loads of really good prayers around that we can just use in our own prayer life. A lot of people give up praying because they think they have to make up all kinds of complicated prayers. They have to write down prayers that that are very, they feel ill-equipped to write or to say. Or they, they know people who are very good at praying and they think, well, I could never pray like them, so I'm not even gonna try. And what a pity that is. There is absolutely no shame whatsoever in using prayers that other people have written. Now, we live in an age now uh, which is a golden age, really. We've never had so many books or websites or booklets filled with really great prayers. And it's very easy to get our hands on them. So let's use them. One of the things in uh, in the previous parish that I was in is we had a prayer newsletter. And I remember when I started it, it was just a, a sheet of A4 with some prayers on and some ideas for prayer and some little prayer exercises to try. Came out about once every month. It was just a, a piece of A4 paper printed both sides. It was nothing complicated. And uh, when I first talked about bringing it out, quite a few people said to me, oh, I don't need a prayer newsletter. You know, I've been coming to church for years. I don't need anything like that. But I'll tell you something, um, that all the copies disappeared. They all, uh, I put them out on the table at the back of church and people did take them and found them really, really helpful. So perhaps that's something we can look at doing in our own parish. Even the greatest men and women of prayer started exactly where you are right now. And they had, I'm sure, like we all do, ups and downs in prayer. So we all start somewhere and there's no shame whatsoever. I keep repeating myself, but it's really important to understand. It doesn't matter if we want to use prayers that are already being written by someone else. I do it all the time. I've got many books of prayers. I'm sitting in my study now. I'm looking across. I've got a whole section of books of prayers. And I will often pluck a, a book off the shelf and use it. Um, why not? Why, why reinvent the wheel? So that's the third tip. And the fourth tip is make it interactive. Make it creative. Prayer can grow dull when we turn it into a ritual, when we turn it into purely a mental exercise, because we find it hard to concentrate, hard to focus, hard to keep finding more and more words. But God made us creative beings, so why not bring that creativity into our prayer lives? For example, a lot of people like lighting candles. It sends a signal to our brains, doesn't it, that now is a time to be still, 
to be quiet, to be calm, a time to come before God. Sometimes people like um, using essential oils or incense along with prayer, uh, with a prayer candle. It's not necessarily my thing, but it's not for everybody. Some people like it, some people don't. If you find that helpful, you do that. You don't have to do what I do. I don't have to do what you do. We're all different. God has made us wonderfully unique. And if you're someone who finds it helpful to use a candle, light a candle. Lots of people enjoy doodling or drawing or painting while they pray. Some people like to keep a prayer journal. I've, I've spoken quite a bit about um, prayer journals and we, we're using prayer journals this Lent. I find it very helpful to jot down things people I need to pray for, lists of things I want to pray about, sometimes actual prayers themselves. I'll write down the actual prayer. It helps me to focus. It helps me to get my thoughts ordered. Sometimes I might write out a longer prayer, almost like a letter to God. So journaling and writing and being creative with with crayons or felt tips or markers or whatever, Uh, There's a whole load of stuff on the internet. If you look up prayer journaling on uh, YouTube or on the the wider internet, there's all sorts of resources that you can use for that. So be creative, be imaginative, do different things, try different things. Fifthly and finally, make it practical. Now, when I look at the life of Jesus... What I see is something really interesting, and and like all Christians, I want to model myself on Jesus, so I'm, I'm sure we all do. So I think this is relevant. Jesus frequently went away by himself to find the space and the solitude to pray. For example, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Great crowds gathered to hear him, Jesus, and be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus would slip away to the wilderness to pray. And there are several places in the Gospels where this sort of thing is mentioned. And it's actually quite easy to miss them because often it's a passing comment between two other stories. And you almost don't notice it because it's not usually the focus of the passage. But Jesus did this quite a lot. And it was obviously very important to him to get away and carve out a chunk of time to pray. But then, but then, Jesus came back and got stuck in. He dived into all the messiness, the brokenness, the sin and chaos of the lives of people. He called out the Pharisees for hypocrisy and empty religion. He told a rich young ruler to give up all that he had to follow him. He got frustrated and exasperated with the disciples for their lack of faith. In other words, he prayed, but then he acted. Jesus' prayers were like fuel that powered a life of ministry and compassion. A ministry that was often hard, challenging and filled with conflict. Jesus never saw prayer as escape. He never went away into a holy huddle. He went and he he drew deeply on the resources of his heavenly father and he, he was strengthened by that experience but then he came back and he did something and we must never allow prayer to become a thing in itself that we go away and we almost escape from the real world. Jesus never did that. Jesus uses his prayer as fuel to empower him 
for a life of service and ministry. So to summarise, five quick tips about how we can uh, build our prayer life. First of all, make a start. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Secondly, make it a priority. Prayer won't happen just by accident. We have to be intentional. Thirdly, make use of existing resources. Why reinvent the wheel? Fourthly, make it creative. Don't just make it about a load of words. God is creative. Be creative with him. And fifthly, make it practical. Prayer is not an escape route. It's fuel for life. So I just want to say a little bit about the coronavirus. Now, we handed out um, some information in both churches this morning and um, I just want to kind of go over that to make sure we're all kind of on the same page. Now, this is one of these situations. It is evolving. It is changing. Advice that we give out now may change by next week. So keep your eye on the news. If anything changes that means we have to change our policy, we will let you know, obviously. Um, so keep your ears peeled. It's one of these no-win situations, isn't it? If, if, if I do nothing and we say, well, you know, this is just a panic about nothing and, you know, oh, we love a good panic in England, don't we? If we take that sort of attitude and then someone catches the coronavirus, you can imagine how we would all feel. So we're erring on the side of perhaps slightly overreacting, maybe that's not quite the phrase, but we are trying to take it seriously, we're trying to remain calm, we don't want to cause panic, but on the other hand we are aware that we want to protect the vulnerable and that's one of our key principles as churches is to, um, to protect people who are vulnerable uh, and maybe at the older end may I say, of the uh, of the age span uh, who seem to be the people who on the whole are suffering most from the coronavirus so we've got a few guidelines i just want to run through those quickly the first one is that whatever you do whatever we tell you at church you must follow the advice that is given by the uh, by the health authorities by the government uh, and if it becomes necessary to take stricter action, then that will come down from above. Now, at the moment, we're continuing with all the services and all the events that happen in our churches. That might change. It is possible that we might not be able to uh, to continue with our services. And if that happens, then obviously uh, we will be using things like this, this podcast, and um, sending out things over the internet and prayers will be sent out over the internet and so on and so forth so uh, we'll we'll have to move to almost like an online church if that happens but that's not happened yet if you feel ill if you feel that you have got flu-like symptoms you've got a cough you've got a cold you've got shortness of breath difficulty in breathing or fever symptoms stay at home do not come to church services when you feel ill all you're going to do is pass germs on so please do not do that um, if you feel ill stay at home listen to the sermon on the internet 
and stay warm stay well hydrated and don't come to church again until you feel well don't ask clergy to come and visit you if you are suffering from those same symptoms because it's not really fair on us is it to be asked to come and give you communion and visit you and all that sort of thing uh, we're not going to do that so we're very happy to chat to you on the phone keep in touch with you by email or whatever uh, skype can be used if you really want to um, but we we don't want to be spreading germs by by being asked to visit people who are unwell whilst we're in church we are encouraging people to wash their hands on arrival at church either in the toilets or in one of the kitchens it was happening a little bit this morning i really would have liked to have seen it happen a bit more to be honest some people have taken to carrying the alcohol gel and of course that's that's fine it's quite hard to get hold of at the moment many shops don't have it in stock so hand washing is a good alternative if you haven't got um, alcohol based gel or cleansing wipes then please when you come to church make sure to wash your hands in in one of the either the kitchens or the uh, or the toilets now during the services itself we've made a few quite important changes for the time being we will not be doing anything that involves any kind of physical contact so we will not be doing the peace okay um, we are discouraging people from shaking hands hugging or kissing or any other physical touch before or after services please i mean it's very you can't really police this can you i mean people do what people do but we are discouraging people from from physical contact there will not be any prayer or laying on of hands or anointing with oil people that come forward to be blessed will not have hands laid on them there will be a prayer of blessing said but there will not be any physical contact and similarly there will be for the time being at least until we're told differently that we will only be administering communion in one kind by which i mean that we will be um, giving communion with the bread but not the wine the communion will be placed in the hand not on the tongue and uh, only the celebrant will drink from the chalice now it's very important i need to say this it's always been the teaching of the church of england that communion is present the full blessing and benefit of communion is present in the bread and in the wine so you are not being as it were somehow shortchanged by not receiving wine you're not you're not getting half of communion you are getting the full benefit of the presence of christ in the bread and if you had only wine you would get the full benefit of christ's presence as well you don't get anything extra by having bread and wine that you don't get from just having bread that is the teaching of the book of common prayer and has been the cheap teaching of the church of england for the last 400 years so this is not a new thing um and you know it you're not losing out i mean obviously we are hoping that fairly soon we will be able to go back to having bread and wine i think there's some powerful symbolism there that we lose by only having bread but you are not spiritually being deprived in any way and it's, it's quite important that you understand that so basically at the moment business as usual services continue um if that changes we will of course let you know 
please take all reasonable precautions, wash your hands, stay at home if you feel ill, no physical contact please within the churches and communion in one kind at least for the time being. So that's where we are with coronavirus. Do keep praying for the uh, victims of this. It's likely to get worse before it gets better. We don't, we're very much in uncharted territories. We don't know how this is going to play out, um, but anything that we can do to play our part in um, helping to stop the spread of this virus, then we need to do as a church, as responsible people within our community. Okay, I hope that's cleared all that up. Um, thanks for staying on at the end of the podcast to listen to me rambling on about something I know very little about, which is viruses. Um, I've taken advice from the Church of England uh, and other churches, and that is the advice that we're passing on. So please do take note of that. And if you've got any questions, have a word with myself or Brian or the church wardens. Okay, thanks, and I'll see you all next week.